in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nunger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Chip, big news today, man. We hit 12 bucks on soybeans. $12, Casey. It's been a long time since we've uh, been to that level kind of stopped us dead in the tracks right now it had a little bit of a back off but uh, all eyes are on the forecast in south america very dry in areas been uh, very very dry in argentina as well so uh, that's uh, ground zero as far as the bean market goes and as beans go the rest of uh, the rest of our ag markets uh, will go as well so uh, it's going to be a a crazy week here we've got normal trading hours wednesday um so 120 central closed and then uh, obviously no markets thursday for thanksgiving no night markets thursday so we don't trade again uh until friday morning at 8 30 central on the grains and then an early close friday at 1205 central so in a in the midst of a weather market this could be a really interesting week here um you know especially with that kind of long break in there from uh from wednesday to friday morning so it could be a little bit choppy out there and uh all eyes are going to be on that forecast really going to drive us here as far as that forecast goes over the next few weeks into uh say that christmas and new year's time frame going to be very critical the brazil start getting uh, some rains here or uh, you're going to continue to see their uh, crop prospects and uh projections and estimates uh, shrink back in a in a hurry yeah. Okay. So that's, that was what I was wanting to get at. So you take a look at what's going on. Soybeans, just like you said, um, there's, there's like this, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a, an, an ax hanging over your head, kind of slowly sawing through a piece of rope that either is going to cut your head off or it's going to, uh, it's going to do something pretty amazing and, 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 uh, cut open a, a, a bigger run up. So, how much of this, because I'm looking at something like this, the close report today, and I'm talking about Brazilian soybeans are 74% planted versus 76 on average, which I don't necessarily take a lot of stock in that. I mean, they can plant with technology they have now. They can they can run that up pretty quick. But what they're talking about is there's some areas that are significantly behind the pace, like, and a lot of that is due to the dry areas that are, that are infected by that. But the current... USDA estimates for Brazil and Argentina's soybean production is 133 million metric tons and 51 million metric tons. Um, private estimates can be found under these numbers, but it's getting harder to argue higher. Where, I guess, as you look at planning progress and then as you look at those kind of things, I just don't see anything but upward movement for soybeans unless I'm just being a, a Super Bowl here. But I guess what's your, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, they start off really uh, slow as far as their planting pace down there um, because it was so dry. And they right. did get a few rains and, and that, that planting pace really caught up almost back uh, to normal in Brazil. It's still running a little bit behind the pace in uh, Argentina. They're only about 
I think uh, as of the end of last week, about 28% uh, uh, planted. I might have said harvested there. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, planting pace, uh, 28% in Argentina, a little bit behind uh, average there because of the dry weather. So you, you can't, um, that, that growing season down there is a little bit uh, different. It's a little bit longer. Um, and, and they have a little more uh, tropical uh, type uh, season than, than maybe what we do. So you can't, uh, to your point, you can't go, uh, you know, fully off of the planting pace. Um, but these areas are, uh, I mean, critically dry. Uh, some of those areas in Brazil, 40 plus year uh, records as far as, uh, uh, you know, dry weather and, and how far behind average they are uh, as far as moisture goes. So that you don't just fix that typically when you're that dry and that big of a trend. You don't fix that. Uh, overnight, um, with, with one rainfall. Um, so that's something you, you really have right. to watch and, um, you know, that they're not going to have a whole entire drought across the entire growing area. Like we might like 2012, uh, it was pretty general here. Typically not uh, going to see that in South America because they're so far spread out. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a couple thousand miles north to south that they grow soybeans there. So, uh, it's not a, a huge overall area, although it's a pretty big chunk of, uh, of that country's growing area that is dry right now and, uh, and critically so, so I, I think planting wise, uh, they're going to get it in the ground. The question then becomes, um, can they get it, uh, up and growing and get some rain because if they don't get some rain. That 134, 135 million metric ton crop uh, is is history, and it might be already. Um, you know, logically, my head says that uh, you're shrinking that, and and I don't think we'd be at twelve dollars if the market, uh, you know, didn't think that uh, that was shrinking a little bit. To what extent, we don't know. You probably got to get into late December and the first half of January, kind of find out how much rain they've got and and what stage they're at as far as. Uh, you know, normal precip at that point to start making a better guess as to what their, their crop size is. But, uh, you know, here coming uh, the last uh, week or so of, uh, November, we've, uh, looks like they've got a, a real problem, um, on their hands with, uh, way below average, uh, precip down there in the Southern hemisphere driven by La Nina, which isn't going anywhere by the way. And I, I don't like to talk about it this time frame, but, uh, you look at a drought monitor here of the United States and, it, uh, you know, the four corners area is, is where, uh, it's the worst and, uh, spreading out, you know, to your area, even kind of spreading into the center part of Illinois showing up on the drought map right now. We have plenty of time to fix that here, but, um, you know, a lot of these forecasters are saying, La Nina, you're probably going to stick around for a little while. And, and the longer it sticks around, the more we may face below average precip during our spring and summer. So it's very definitely uh, something that's going to affect our, our markets right now and for the foreseeable future. Yep. What about, what do you, what's your take on wheat? Okay. So we're looking at wheat right now. The March wheat rose up to hit right over six bucks. So it's been first time it's been there in a little while. Um, but what's, what's going on in Australia and with China and Australia being kind of having a little diplomatic disagreement there um there's an opportunity for china to maybe not buy as much from australia and come in and and buy uh 
buy a little more U.S. wheat. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah, they have bought a little bit of U.S. wheat um, here in the past uh, weeks and in, in, in couple of months. Um, I think wheat is maybe a, a sleeping bull market. Uh, wheat got a little bit fired up here today uh, on some rumors that uh, Russia may be uh, putting an export tax on. It, it's kind of like trying to figure out uh, what's going on in, in, in Russia. It just takes a lot of time. And, you know, I think that, you know, they've fought dry weather there and um, <clears throat> their domestic prices are going up. Their, their domestic livestock feeders are uh, frustrated about rising uh, wheat prices internally uh, in Russia. They're a massive exporter, a big competitor to us, um, you know, in the world market. And so it's been back and forth uh, as far as what their crop size even is, how much they're going to allow for export. Uh, and then, you know, here overnight, early morning hours, talk of a potential export ban that has not been confirmed yet uh, by, by Russia. But uh, they've kind of been back and forth, kind of batting around what do they need to do to try to control wheat prices there domestically. And that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle. They start limiting the uh, quantities that they're going to export on the world market. Um, and you already mentioned the, the dispute between uh, China and Australia. China's already purchased some uh, wheat from us. could really open the door up to a, a, a kind of a longer-term bull market in wheat. Typically, this time of year, you, you don't, you know, as wheat goes into dormancy, you don't get uh, a lot of play. So it might be a little bit quiet. However, we did see the um, crop conditions uh, report released here, and uh, I believe it went down three percentage points in good to excellent. Oklahoma and Kansas, uh, Kansas slipped some as well. They aren't going into dormancy in very good shape there. There's plenty of time if they get some moisture, um, you know, this winter via snow or, or early spring, there's time to, to heal this crop up, but we're not going into dormancy uh, in the, the main part of winter in very good shape as far as crop ratings go in the u.s plains and that's something that's gonna you know take some time to uncover but this wheat market uh along with uh, you know corn stocks shrinking and demands huge in corn and now the competitive feed grain uh wheat we're finally after years and years of massive supply seeing some supply disruptions and and uh, the world ending stocks starting to shrink a little bit and in this uh this Russia thing is really something to watch. That's going to be uh, something the market watches very closely to figure out what they're going to do as far as their exports go. So if they tip their hands at all um, or, or look like they're going to uh, greatly limit the amount of wheat they put out or put some sort of an export tax on that does the same type of, uh, of effect, really could be explosive uh, in wheat. And if we come into, you know, kind of the, March, April, May time frame, and we don't start seeing some some better moisture in the uh, Oklahoma, Kansas area. Uh, I think could still be explosive. So I think it's um, you know kind of a uh, a, a tired, uh, maybe a little bit uh, just waking up a bull market here in the wheat. It might take a few more months to figure this thing out. In the time being, it'll definitely be a follower uh, to corn and beans because that'll be resolved quicker. Um, I think because of the, you know, you're, you're going to know what South America produces uh, first and, and, and they matter in wheat as well, Argentina, especially, but uh, I think it has uh, more to do with uh, what Russia does and uh, then maybe what our, you know, early 
spring weather is out in the plains and whether they got uh, much precip over the winter here in the next couple of months. So wheat could be uh, an explosive market, but I think it might be uh, a little ways down the road before we start talking more about that, unless you see something out of uh, out of Russia as far as a export ban or export tax, something like that. Right. Okay, so looking at kind of the action that happened today and over in the livestock markets, hogs and cattle both had some positive reactions to these uh, COVID-19 vaccines that are coming out, these trials that are coming up. Looks like they've got about three different vaccines out there now that are all in in trial. So it seems like the hog market and the cattle market have both responded positively to that. That being said, um, cattle also has punched through uh, kind of that 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 one o. 108, 110 uh, resistance level that we've seen for a while, and it's up there in that that what 112 to 1 <clears throat> 113 range. So, I guess as you take a look, at what's going on there? What are your thoughts there? As as so many of these bars and restaurants and and other dining establishments that are that are getting kind of some COVID restrictions put on them. Yeah, it's um, the cattle market has been. Uh, thrown around a little bit and, and beat up. We had a pretty ugly week last week. There's a lot of news out, um, almost fake news. Uh, it's been a really weird week last week about talk about, uh, you know, COVID cases at uh, a JBS plant in, in uh, Greeley, Colorado last week. That proved to be uh, false. The kill number was, you know, right on track, pretty, pretty big number. Uh, for a weekly kill last week, so it uh, it doesn't appear, and, and on hogs too, um, so it didn't appear that there were any disruptions there. But uh, kind of news of of COVID and fears, it really kind of got into the market last week in in cattle and hogs. And then once we kind of found out, like, hey, these these kill numbers are pretty darn big. Um, you know, I think the demand side of it, it, it was proven through that. If it weren't for the uh, the plant shutdowns uh, through the COVID deal this uh, past winter, um, I, I think we wouldn't have seen as negative a, of an influence because the demand changed. Restaurants closed, but there was a uh, kind of a pickup as far as you know people stockpiling some some food, putting some meat in the freezers, and and cooking, eating at home. Obviously, more so than um, uh, than than eating out at restaurants. So I think the demand side is is there as long as we can kind of get some confidence that uh, you know we're going to get through and not have any plant shutdowns and and uh, you know so far so good on that aspect I think they've done a much better job and it, and it doesn't appear like there's a problem like there was before and uh, hopefully get this vaccine going here I read some news today that even uh, as early as mid December uh, they can start uh, some of that. Uh, you know, I'd say obviously some of the more critical areas we're gonna they're gonna start first, and uh, probably no more critical area than uh, food supply and keeping the uh, supply chain going. So, you know, with all that being said, I think demand's good. Uh, cattle on feed report uh, on Friday was as expected. The placement number actually a little on the friendly side. That was towards the low end of expectations on that placement number. And it really, um, you know, got uh, the cattle market fired up today. Had a really strong close, a couple bucks higher. Feeders finally, uh, you know, caught fire as well. They've been pressured by rising corn prices. In 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 years past, when corn runs into a big bull market, eventually it kind of drags feeders uh, and cattle along with it. 
So we finally got the Catalan feed out of the way. It was on the friendly side as far as placements go. Strong performance in the feeders. Uh, maybe we're to the point now that uh, the rising tide lifts all ships, and we're going to actually get uh, start seeing a little bit of support if these feed grains continue uh, to rally a little bit. So, you know, I think things um, look look good for cattle longer term. Uh, you know, there's always going to be the the uh, potential there for fears about you know COVID shutdowns and and um, you know smooth uh, operation of these plants. That's always going to be there in this virus type environment. But barring that, I think things look really good. The the hog market really had a a fake out uh, too. Uh, you know, pushed down into new lows. Probably ran all the all the longs out and then reversed on a dime uh, a Friday and followed through with sharp gains today. And uh, same type thing there. I, you know, I think the demand's pretty good. I think we're maybe uh, starting to get through some of the bigger numbers and um, you know, at least for today anyway, it looks like maybe we've dodged a bullet and, and uh, maybe headed for some uh, higher prices here, probably led by cattle, but uh, hogs had a pretty impressive day as well. And uh, coming into that, you know, winter and spring time frame where things start looking uh, a little better from a seasonal standpoint as well on cattle and hogs. So if we got a little bit of a tailwind from uh, kind of an inflationary push and, and demand stays good, exports have been really, really good um, on the beef side. You know, China continues to buy more and more beef, um, China and Hong Kong combined. So that's been good. We had a, a massive uh, beef sales week last week. So not only do we have good domestic demand, it looks like we're starting to fire in all cylinders as far as getting uh, some beef out uh, into the world market on the exports. And, and things look pretty good there. I, I'm not saying you're going straight up, but uh, boy, this February and even uh, April uh, live cattle contract looks like maybe we could do some things to the upside here and get uh, producers back into a real profitable position here before it's said and done. Yep. Yeah, well, looks like... Uh... <clears throat> So I've got a real shot here this week to, to not be your typical quiet uh, week before Thanksgiving. There's going to be some some significant activity, it looks like. Uh, yeah, I think it could be wild uh, in, in these grains. And, and you know, forget the weather market for a second. There's been only a few times in the, in the past where beans have been up uh, at these levels, you know, $12 plus. And, and almost every time before the ultimate top gets put in, you see massive volatility and, uh, and haven't really started to see that yet. Um, you know, there's been a little bit of chop back and forth. I think the biggest break we had was a month and a half ago. I think we broke about 60 cents off the highs and then rallied again. But as you look at a, at a weekly continuation chart in beans at or above $12, we've had, you know, some massive swings, uh, a buck and a half to $2, uh, breaks followed by you know two dollar plus rallies into new highs so this thing is going to get really gut-wrenching uh, it's just the way that happens at at high price levels like this and uh you know obviously weather and the forecast in uh, the southern hemisphere is going to drive that uh and one rain's not gonna make their crop it will likely rain there eventually um could see a big correction when it does but one rain doesn't make a crop and they're going to have to continue to have good range through their growing season. So I guess my warning to everyone as far as beans and then to a lesser extent, all other commodities, but especially beans, is this thing is likely going to get uh, a really, really gut-wrenching with uh, massive swings before it's said and done. 
and before we ultimately put a top in here and uh, just say, uh, be, be ready, because we haven't even begun to see anything like we've seen in the past as far as volatility goes uh, in these beans. So, you know, three, four day uh, week periods where you uh, break beans a buck, buck and a half and, and followed by a week, week and a half later, they're, they're rallying two dollars. And, and, and that's the type of move I would expect before uh, we ultimately put a top in. And that's uh, that's going to get gut wrenching. Uh, so I'd say just just be prepared for it. And this week, just based on the cut up week with, uh, you know, Thanksgiving thrown in there and pretty long break from Wednesday to, to Friday morning and a couple important forecasts thrown in there it could get uh, it could get a little a little cranky uh this this week as well but i think we're just starting into that uh road here over the next uh, three months where uh, things are going to really really get volatile so we better have our head on a swivel yep yep that is a good point chip so plenty of stuff to worry about there plenty of things to uh keep in mind as you're going into this uh, last kind of making our way through this last quarter of the year, heading into the first of the year, as far as planning goes. And if folks got a plan they're working on or just some questions they want to bounce off you, Chip, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just give us a call here, 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you about your marketing plan. A lot of emphasis and uh, starting to be a lot of uh, uh, concern and in, in, uh, uh, wondering about, uh, you know, 2021 crops, trading about, 1055 on November 21 beans and 411, 410, 411, December 21 corn. So, uh, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of opportunities out there, but a lot of uncertainty as well. And you got to have a plan and, and uh, be willing to execute on it. So, uh, more critical than ever to have that plan and, and, uh, you know, get some guidance out there on that. No doubt about that. Make sure you guys check out chip and what he's got going on there. They have a pretty good programs up there at blue reef so make sure you check him out also i am casey seymour with moving iron podcast check me on facebook twitter and instagram where you find the latest information about uh, the moving iron podcast any blogs that get posted go to moving iron llc.com where you can find the podcast the blogs and all the information on the 2021 uh moving iron summit january 20th through the 22nd in Nashville, Tennessee. You think I'd understand how to do that, Chip, as many times as I say it, but I keep <laughs> I keep stumbling on it every time I get a chance. Also, check out the Global Ag Network and the great people there. They're a great uh, ag-related podcast out there, so uh, make sure you check them out. And with that, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Nellier. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here